Hey everybody, the Con Artists here. We're here to talk about our winter 2019 rolling review choice, which was The Promised Neverland. I'm so excited we picked this show. Um, so, uh, I guess I'll just give you guys a little synopsis for those of you that didn't follow along with us or have no clue what the show is about. Uh, the Promised Neverland is about a group of 37 orphan kids who live in a seemingly loving household under one woman who they all call Mama. Every once in a while, the kids get adopted and the new children arrive. Uh, and episode one drops a huge bomb that adoption means that your body gets sold off to demons as food. So it's basically a child-rearing farm. Surprise! Yeah. Poor kids. I know. All right, so before we go any further, that bitchin' theme song. Mm. It's my theme song of the year, guys. Nothing's gonna beat it. Those saxophones. Yes! Oh, that's that's an ambitious statement for so early. Yeah, go year, go listen right, to right. the theme song. Are you kidding me? Like it's so good. All right, all right. Alrighty, so I was really excited about this show. Um, I had read for a little while before they even you know stated they were going to turn it into an anime. It's like a big, big manga right now. I think a lot of people are really into it. So. It was actually a little tough because the manga obviously is farther along than than the anime, and so I had to <laughs> make avoid sure, those spoilers. Yeah, I had to make sure to never ever read the the manga synopsis whenever A and N would put it up. I was like, "Don't click on it! Don't click mm, on so it!" So tempting. Um. Yeah. Well, this show is it's very important that you don't know what's going on coming in to help with the the thrill and the suspense. So. Uh, we do this pretty much every time, but for this one in particular, massive spoilers for this show. Like, turn this off and go watch the show and then come back. Yeah, like, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the end of our thing is going to be we recommend this show a lot, so you should probably go watch it before we spoil all the stuff. Yeah, seriously. Alrighty, so let's let's just roll clean, clean into it. Um, I kind of want to start with the bad stuff because there's so All much right. good stuff we can get the, we can get the cons out of the way again with the understanding that in the end of this i think the majority of us do recommend this show these cons are we're gonna nitpick but it's not gonna hopefully it will not dissuade you from sticking around for the positives so let's see for me it was episode 11 in particular oh, yeah, that's one of mine too yeah episode <laughs> 11 was a bit of a, a mess um this is jumping way far ahead but anyway the um the kids are all out to outwit mama whose name is isabella and um you know there's this cat and mouse game going on and episode 11 um, there's a time skip in episode 10 and then 11, like all the kids basically just start the escape plan and it's like all this magic stuff happened off screen <laughs> yeah, that really. makes zero sense to the rest of the show and how like Isabella has been presented. I mean, she's basically omniscient, like she sees everything, hears everything, knows everything. She is nonstop. 10 steps ahead of the kids at all points in time. Yeah, like I can count on one hand the number of things that she doesn't know that the kids have up on her, like before this episode starts. Bingo. And I actually have a theory that they wrote her first and they wrote this just like incredible villain and then had to backtrack to work around her and somehow get the kids out. They're like, oh, geez, she knows like 
everything. Uh, hand wave, hand wave, hand wave. And then they were uh, sneaking tons of supplies out without her knowledge. <laughs> somehow took a whole bunch of blankets. Somehow informed all the little kids older than five that she was a monster and they had to get out. All the kids kept this secret. They arranged for all of them to get out. They've all Which been training ridiculous. to get out. Like none of it made any sense. And it was like rapid fire nonsense and rapid fire plan coming together. So it really detracted from the show, in my opinion. Like I, I still will recommend this show, but 11 in particular was problematic. Personally, yeah, it was oh, tough because, no, um, like, oh, go ahead, Dan. Sorry, uh, but I think part of the issue is just that it feels like we were missing an episode or missing some kind of a flashback or background information because the idea behind this was for those two months, the main kids that we've been following um, at that point, uh, kids named Ray and Emma, have at least by all outside uh, observation, had the rebelliousness, you know, beaten out of them by that stage. They're supposed to be, you know, ready to accept their fate and in no position to lead the escape that they've been planning. And mom basically has all of this information in front of her. She's She is firmly aware of how much they know and what their plan was. So her attention is still focused on them. If we had seen more of the background where they've essentially delegated out leadership of this plan to the other kids that they trust but aren't as not being watched that aren't being watched as closely i think that that would have played out better but it also would have made the ending feel like less of a surprise and i think they tried to they tried to push that surprise they wanted like a big yeah, twist. Yeah, they pushed basically. that at the expense of believability. Like it makes like I can connect those dots, but I'm filling in a lot of blanks in order to make that work. Yeah, well also like I think it like the you know the first 10 episodes of the show you have this like, you know, who knows what what information does each kid have? What information is Isabella? How much have can we trust kids? any of them? And like it's all Yeah, there's a complex yeah, matrix all... of who knows what and who's holding holding what cards. Yeah, it's all super carefully balanced. And then episode 11's like, ah, forget all that. Like, it's been, you know, 10 weeks. None of it matters anymore. And you're like, but but the, that's like the core of, of the show. You can't just throw all that out. And they're like, ah, too bad. We got to get to the escape. So it was like, oh, well, that's kind of too bad. Yeah, definitely. I think that was that was problematic. Um, my second big problem point is Ray. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ray, Ray is very problematic. And I think it's just because... Like you guys were saying, there's so much balance. The three kids, the three main kids, Emma, Norman, and Ray, they're in a beautiful balance with each other. They all need each other, and they all have a different strength and weakness that plays, you know, against and for, kind of like rock, paper, scissors. And it's it's really hard when one of them starts to get out of balance because it just starts to look absurd. Like I wrote in my <laughs> rolling review, these kids needed to have a certain level of absurd, right? They're all 11 and they think like Mensa members. And 
you needed that. You need to, need to outsmart like this, you know, Alcatraz style prison system at the age of 11. Exactly. Right, they got to be, they're going to they have to be exceptional. exceptional. The show does establish that they are like borderline genius for the most part. So, you know, cause they're being, they're being Agreed. tested all the time to see, you know, how well developed are your brains? Because those are the best part the demons say. <laughs> It makes them so tasty. Exactly, right. Yeah, the demons are eating that part in particular. And that makes sense. And on top of that, you know, you've made Isabella so extraordinary. The the kids needed that edge. However, However. (laughs) Ray just starts to spin more and more out of control. Like, he's the strategist of the team. Um, And he, he just begins to have strategy that's so far beyond that he morphs into heroic legend of Arslan's Narcissus <laughs> pseudo. No. Oh, Norman does. I'm sorry. We got Norman. Norman, yeah, Norman right. turns Norman. into Narcissus and he just turns into like this mastermind who's like, I've been uh, collecting a whole bunch of stuff in order to build something that will shut down the little trackers we have in our ears. Wait, now, it, now it's Ray again. Yeah. So now we're back to Ray again, guys, but, he just he just has so many skills that don't make any sense. He's got like RF engineering, he's part mechanical engineer, he's part electrical engineer, and he has he doesn't have fertile and am- infantile amnesia, right. which makes me so angry. But just go read that episode because I rail into that really hard. It's it's totally focus. And yet he still like writes his plan down. Uh, like th- that's what that's what Norman and Crone no- found under his bed, right? That Oh, is that more? Hmm. Is it? I don't know. Like how else? Because that's what that's what Crone took to Grandma to say. Hey, you know, this is what the kids' plan is. They're gonna escape or whatever the heck. And like Norman found the thing, and he's like, oh. And then he left notes for Emma, or was talking to her through a freaking phone can. See, like, I remember. I remember Norman finding the oil. Like I was like, what are those little yellow things? And then later they're like, ha, ah, surprise! It's all this oil. So I think Norman found mm-hmm. the oil, but I don't know if he actually found. The yeah. Oil. Either way, he's he's super genius and figured it out. So yeah, Norman ends up morphing into Narciss, which was its own problem. So unless you guys have more to say about Ray, that pseudo ends up a problem too because late in the game, Norman ends up ridiculous. Like towards the end, Emma thwarts a plan Ray has, and it's just like Norman basically goes, "You see, I knew that Ray was going to do this, and that you were going to do that, but then Ray would not realize you knew this." And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, who let Death Note on crack in here?" <laughs> it's it's so absurd. He just knows too much. He knows how to predict too much, and everything he predicts is a hundred percent on point. And you're like, Nor- oh, "Norman, mm-hmm. please." So. Once again, it all just wraps back to the balance shifts out of control and things get unbelievable. And it's it's half a tribute to the fact that they did such a beautiful job balancing the beginning and and half just that they they spun out at the end. Yeah, I'll agree and with that. And the other thing that bothers me, just to jump back to Ray very briefly, is... One of the key things that they point out is, like, again, his lack of infantile amnesia. He remembers things from when he was a baby. Heck, he remembers things from before then, according to him. Yeah, he remembers Yeah, so it's like, okay, that's... A, that's really sure, weird. Sure, kid. B, the only reason that that matters is because it turns out, super spoiler alert, that Isabella is his mother. Because all of... 
his, his real biological, biological mother. mother yeah, yes. all of the moms of the various uh, farms have given birth to at least one child, where that's established. And it turns out that he's her, like you said, he's her biological son. But they don't do anything with that. Now, to be fair, this isn't the end of the series. There's more to come, definitely. So maybe that will matter in the future. But it doesn't have any sort of an impact. It's just kind of a twist for twist's sake. And it doesn't add or change their relationship or change how she reacts to anyone. Uh, I just, I don't see the point to it. Yeah, I hope it does pay off in a future season. This show has a hard on for like oh, throwing yes. surprises at you. I think I think it's very manipulative like that, and I actually mm. don't like it. Ah, uh, like because it's like, hey, you didn't see this coming, and also you never had a chance to see this coming. But exactly. Surprise! It happened anyway. Okay. Like watch episode eleven again and listen for the part where Ray asks Emma to her face, "What is your plan for going around the demons who are between us and the bridge when mm-hmm. they're about to be on alert?" And she just grits her teeth for a second. And he and the audience is meant to interpret this as you don't have a real plan for that. You're just going to wing it. But no, like there is a (laughs) real plan. Like she's been planning it for months. Like she had the perfect response to that. She's like, we're not going to do that. Like, but yeah, for the sake of surprising you in episode 12, like that is left out. It's not necessarily that it doesn't hold up on examination. It's that the show is withholding information that... Well, that too, yeah. but that part definitely, okay. I don't think, is uh, holds up to examination. Like, if you go back to an, an, the one, what was it, like episode six with Donna oh, yeah. Gilda in the secret room, you know, that, you can you can argue that that makes sense. Like, they uh, they open the door, there's a cutaway to the other kids, they cut back and they were walking through the door. Like, they made it, like, they, they could have ditched the key during that part. You know, it makes sense that they would have not checked for a second entrance to the secret room once they figured out that it was adjacent to Isabella's room, because there's a 110% chance that there is at least one okay. door between those two rooms. Uh, my theory is actually that Don and Gilda never told anyone how that they actually got out of the secret hmm. room through the second door. Nobody else knows it exists. Neither of them were put on gumming the lock duty. So the reason that Isabella sends out the alarm before it was predicted was because she just booked it to the other side of the room, got in through the second door and got the radio. Got that big, yeah, bulky radio unit. Mm. Okay, interesting. That makes sense. I think that also feeds into a little bit of a problem I had with some of those sequences. So episode one, um, there's a long shot of a gate, and that's where the children go to get adopted, and they're not allowed beyond the gate. Normally, it's shut. And it's it's just this giant hallway. And when Emma and Norman discover what's going on, they end up having to hide underneath the truck that stores the corpse of, of the kid that gets adopted. And... They're hiding under there, and then all of a sudden the demon notices, like he smells something. They look underneath the truck, and nothing is there, except for the the little stuffed bunny. And then Norman and Emma have somehow booked it out and are running up the hill away from the gate. This doesn't make any sense, if you think about it. Like, it's one long hallway... They walked at least part of the way in because the camera work gave you the depth they walked in. There's no way they could have gotten out of just a like long without hallway. without being immediately yeah. noticed. Right, without yeah. being noticed. The same thing happens with Don and Gilda. Like, I was waiting for there to be that interesting moment because they're using camera angles to sort of trick you into thinking they're just trapped behind the door that Mama is about to open to the secret room. And 
then somehow they're coming out of a different side and everything's fine. Like, they do a cutaway and then they're coming out of a different side. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just not write this? Or did you, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what you needed to do, but they were like, quick, use a cutaway. And then it all just worked out. And, like, I let it happen in my head because I like the show so much. But it was illogical. Like, it doesn't make sense if you really try and analyze it under a magnifying Overall, glass. Overall, I, I think this is... Yeah, I agree. I think this comes down a lot to the fact that the show makes you pay attention to details. You're focusing on every, like, book and every, uh, like, any time the camera lingers. I had a whole analysis on that calendar. Oh, yeah. I, like, the reviews. calendar is a thing. Like, there's symbols that uh, eventually we find out are, you know, doing some sort of a message, which we don't really go into too much further in detail on, which I assume is going to come up in the second season. But... Oh, yeah, they're just going to show us what they learned in the time yeah. that they were in but, the thing, <laughs> which we which will have like direct impact on stuff that they're doing outside that I we could never so. have anticipated. It's just like, like there is a pen. Do we know what it does? No. Do we know how it's going to affect anything mm -hmm. that happens? We no. just know it's important. But they are setting it up for a future but, season. But, uh, yeah, overall, it's just the fact that you're, you're being trained from episode one, or especially episode two onward, to focus on all of these details and which ones are actually important and which ones are just superfluous or are red herrings is very difficult to wrap your head around sometimes. So you often find your, and when there is an inconsistency, like the incident with the room, like the, uh, at the beginning where they escape from the demon, when there really is no way that they should have been able to, you start to notice that more and more things that you could brush aside in a series that's less focused on those details stand out much more strongly. It's, you know, the closer a show gets to, I don't want to call it perfection, but, you know, the higher quality a show gets, the more glaring the flaws can become because you're so invested and you're paying such close attention. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, some of those details I think, Brendan, you don't like. I am okay with, like, the pen. I have my own theory about, but it's a, it's a minor inference just based on where it came from. So... I like some of that where I don't entirely know where it's going and I have to figure it out, but I agree with you that it is just twisting for the sake of twisting in many instances. And you're like, there was no need for that. You were already going that direction where the kids were getting trained. Why would you take that from us just to have it revealed in 12? <laughs> so it was, it was odd what they put the, put the wool over your eyes for, and that was just strange. Um, I guess the only other one I've got is Crone's personality. Um, I think her appearance... Actually, I just had Crone <laughs> down in general, sort of. So okay. Let's see. I, I think it. her appearance was important for, for reasons we've discussed offline, so to speak. I think she gives the kids information that plays into the plot later. However, she's just nuts. It's like the show goes from being fairly realistic and using facial expressions in a very important way, which I'll talk about in the good section... And she's just, like, stereotype anime villain, like, cackling to herself in her room <laughs> and plotting evilly. And I remember watching, because we, we watched, I watched the show with my husband, and we were like, yeah, that's right, Crone, just yell your plan out loud, because Isabella's <laughs> definitely not listening to everything you're saying. Yeah, through these, like, right paper-thin walls. 
You know, it's like her her death is almost her own fault in many ways because you're just like, oh my goodness, stop yelling your plan through the walls. So, yeah, like how did you even make it this far? Like if this is how you do business, I don't know. It is kind of weird. Yeah, her character um, is a sharp contrast to I think everybody's cold calculating what cards am I holding, stoic poker face thing. And she just shows up and throws that all out the window a little bit. And you're like, what? What is this? Yeah, like, I feel like she did fulfill an important role, but, like, she wasn't that good of a villain. And she also didn't have that much impact compared oh, yeah. to her screen time. Like, because, like, at the beginning, right, when she first shows up, like, she has that game of tag. And you're like, uh-oh, Sister Crone is frigging incredibly like physically adept she can catch those kids she can run super fast like she could just sweep a whole bunch of them up like in her giant arms and you're like this is going to be a real problem for these kids because right, isabella is more of and isabella then, like, is more like planning ahead right. and crone would be the one who is the yeah. actual like physical enforcer like yeah she's she's the muscle and then you're like no then, <laughs> that like that never came up again like the fact that she's like really physically uh skilled never became relevant again or actually was never relevant and i was like well that's it's kind of weird like you you kind of built this up and like oh and everyone watching was like uh oh that's trouble and then it kind of wasn't trouble i agree and even her flashback to like what the mamas go through in training ends up being undermined because isabella has her own flashback which would have given us that information twofold so it's her appearance is odd, her personality is not great, and while I think she does deliver valuable information, she could have been written as a better character, and I mean, just to toss that out there, she is African-American, so it, it once again does not bode well for Japan's incredible inability to write diverse <laughs> characters. Um, so that was that was a problem, undeniably. You know what, she sh you know what they should have done? Like, if you look at the, the house, right, and at the places that she was rated, like, Where's the groundskeeper guy? Like, who, who <laughs> mows the lawn? They probably should have had that guy show up and or, or have that gal show up and then have them learn some information from them. Something like that. Someone who's less deep into the system. But yeah, like, we don't need someone to be a full-blown top-and-center character if they're just going to kind of only deliver a little bit of information and go away. Like, you can have a side character show up from time to time. Someone's got to bring them food. Someone's got to fix the toilets. Like... There needs to be a person outside of Isabella and the kids that exists. Just have that person show up. Yeah, potentially. I mean, unless there are any other, like, did anyone else have any big, like, standout things that uh, bugged them before we start moving into the uh, things that we enjoyed? I'm pretty much good. I am good, too. All right. So, well then. yeah, there were a lot of things, you know, those are a number of issues and they absolutely do you know come up from time to time some issues with uh believability and just how well the characters are established and then sort of break their own molds and not necessarily in a way that makes them more interesting or more believable but just kind of is convenient to the plot or provides a twist that we didn't necessarily need those issues do come up but one of the things that the show, just from the very beginning, when the show does set up a good twist and it does deliver on it, episode one is a serious gut punch. Like, I, you, the lead up to the show, even the like art for the uh, cover or the title screen or any of that kind of stuff, 
lets you have an idea of what's going on, but when it happens, when it when the reveal of the demons and what they do and how they have structured this whole thing happened, it was still freaky and seriously intense. Like I was definitely like I was definitely taken aback by it, and even though I had a very strong inkling that it was coming. So very, very well done first episode. Uh definitely sets the tone for the show really well and gives you a great yeah it gives you a great point to start from because you've got the initial like you know sort of shock of realization and then you start being like "Uh uh-oh there's a lot more kids in this house how are they going to get away from this and like almost immediately you're thinking kind of like the kids are which is a good good way to like introduce the show Episode one is an absolute masterclass. I mean, that's what I called it in my review. It's it's just amazing. Everything from the reveal to the camera work to the music choices to, you know, just getting the facial expressions. Mm. It's it's really important. Like they they show off all the art chops because the children and, you know, their their horrified faces are such in contrast to their, you know, their regular happy faces that, you know, you feel the impact of what they're seeing. The the demons are very, like, beautifully and horrifically drawn, so you get that sharp contrast. It's just masterclass. Episode one was a masterclass, so amazing. Like, that got me in uh, 100%. Yeah. What else is there? I mean, I think we've, we've talked a lot about her, but, like, Isabella's oh, a really fabulous. good villain. Best villain ever. Like, she believes in her cause, which is good for any villain. Like, she thinks she's doing the right thing as, as much as she can. And she's super effective mm-hmm. at what she does. Uh, so I really liked her as a as a antagonist. She was also characters. done best when we were still in that mode of how much does she know versus how much... Oh, yeah. Like, the first 10 episodes are just, like, rock solid. And Isabella is, like, you're like, jeez, uh, she, she seems very dangerous. Wonder if we're ever gonna get any payoff to uh, the "Are you happy?" question. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, like she does have you know small cracks in the armor, but nothing the kids have actually really been able to mm-hmm. exploit at any point. And when she does actually, uh, I believe I did. Was it episode nine? I think uh, where Crone uh, is gone. She's out of the picture now, and um, the kids are not making their escape, but like about to execute a big part of it to prepare and. She decides, you know what? I'm going to show them that I'm not joking around. She neutralizes Ray. She goes out and finds uh, Norman and Emma. And when Emma tries to, you know, Emma being the most physically like adept of the three kids, uh, tries to, you know, block her or you know keep her uh, keep her distracted, she just snaps her leg like in two. It was. It was fast. It was brutal. There was absolutely nothing Emma could have done to stop it. So that moment after so much buildup of her just being this incredibly dangerous personality kind of lurking around was really well done. I think that sequence is very important, too, because right after she snaps Emma's leg, she picks her up like a baby and she's like, gently shushing her and there's this loving mannerism and I think it just sealed the deal for what you ended up writing about Dan that she loves these kids she does but in the most twisted way you can imagine so there's that that intense contrast to her her character and there's another moment with her I think is pivotal which is in in contrast to what you think Dan but 
I'm using my I love characters and complicated mm-hmm. characters glasses to to go through this. Um, I actually really, really loved Isabel's flashback in 12. Not that she magically like morphs into understanding mom, but I think there's there's this amazing character building moment here. So we get Isabel's background, the fact that you you it's been hinted at first of all. So I guess to contrast against Brendan's like surprise twist, we never saw this coming. At a certain point, the ending theme song actually changes. I forget where it is, but it's a little bit past the middle. So the theme song changes, and then there's these black and white images in the ending song that are very clearly Isabella and her, like, running around in a field. And I was like, okay, this is going to be important later on. And then it is in 12 when it's revealed that Isabella is, like, this, like, happy-go-lucky kid. And the system, like, hardcore breaks her. You know, she goes through the mama training and all that, all that good stuff. Now, this is important for two reasons. One is because she and Emma are on identical tracks. They have like a mother-daughter relationship and they're they're basically on identical tracks with how they felt about the farm. Isabella tried to escape too and the grandma calls her in and is like, just listen, listen, the system is as it is. Just work with the system to ensure that you survive. And she goes through mama training, like it's totally messed up. And she comes out this horrific monster who has like no love for her own biological kid, this twisted up love for all the other kids. And in her own weird, creepy way, she's like, this is the best I can give these children, this beautiful, happy life for 12 years until I ship them out. And it's the best it can be. And on top of that, the show uses music in the most powerful way I have seen in a long time. The little song that her like best friend plays in her flashback, Leslie. That little song he plays on the mandolin is the song that has been playing through the entire show, like since Ep 2. It's a, it's a lullaby that on the OST is called Isabella's Lullaby, and she has been singing this basically her whole life. It is the tiny thread of humanity she holds, and it activates in... 12. It's that parent-child split where Emma goes, I will not choose your way. Even though in a previous episode, Isabella was like, listen, this is the only way. I can spare you. You could become like me. And it, and Emma goes, no, I, I won't. I will choose another way. And whether I, I fail or succeed, I will choose this way. And it's Isabella's acceptance that that tiny shred of humanity in her kicks in. And it's amazing character building amazing character building because people are so complicated and i think that is the the payoff to are you happy Mm. that's the snap and it's been permeating Mm. through the whole show so i was in love with this sequence you want to write complicated people it's it's like this i guess that's what i get for not paying attention to the music as much as i should have oof yeah, yeah, I was, I was cool that they've had a little watching the whole time. Like, wait time. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's totally playing through this whole show. So loved it. But once again, Isabella, best character, best villain. <laughs> Isabella, very good. Yeah, she's excellent. Other positive things I would say is just, you know, generally, generally speaking, the characterization of the kids is really good. Um, again, we establish early on that they're ex- that these kids are exceptional. Uh, they're way smarter than, you know, your average 12-year-old would be. 
Emma is, you know, from day one, very obviously the most physically adept. Norman is sort of the, again, the grand strategist, whereas Ray, I guess, is probably a bit more of a tactician focusing on, you know, more on like short-term gains. And... Well, except for his like yeah. ultra long running plan to get that right. zapper. That was... Like one of us has been planning ahead for like... Right, because he knew years. about this basically <laughs> from when he was born. So, yeah... I meant oh, more right. in terms of how they formulate their plans. Norman will be the one to cut. Norman sure, is the sure, one to come sure. up with like the big overarching. Like these are the steps that we. Uh, these are the steps that we take for this goal. And Ray is the one who picks apart like each of those individual points and says why why they will or will not work. Yeah, but that's true. Uh, yeah, so their personalities and their um, and their talents nicely mesh together without it feeling too contrived, and. Even Ray, who at first I was like, just looking at his character, I was like, you're going to be a punk, aren't you? And it turned out at least... <laughs> and true, he is. True, but at, but at first but. he actually seemed pretty open. Like, yeah, he was a bit more standoffish than the others, but he was very... Like, everyone was treating him as one of the group. He wasn't like some loner outsider. He was just, you know, the more quiet one who was occasionally snarky. And... It just it showed that these were friends, and you know, despite his growing lunacy over the uh, course of the series, he did everything that he did. He did all of these, you know, in some cases, like he bit his tongue about knowing about all of this. He watched all of these kids come and go, and went through all of this nonsense for his friends. Misguided, absolutely, but at the same time, that was a that was his reasoning that if he could get them out then he would have succeeded and everything else was moot he was just going you know it was his revenge on the system and yeah and i appreciated that you know again it sort of got cranked a little too high towards episode 11 when he decides like his his plan it turns out (laughs) is self-immolation in the middle of the in the middle of the like cafeteria it was it was hard to watch i respect that fair enough Sure, but, like, it'd be nice to see a little more of it as a lead-up. Like, he's like, ah, I've got all these plans, and I'm making a zapper that's taken me eight years to build, and surprise, I'm going to kill myself. Like, uh, I mean, it doesn't really fit with the rest of your character right now, but... I guess after after the two months of him assuming that everything had been ruined and that he was... No, 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 he's got... Remember, Norman finds the oil under his bed, like, before Norman even leaves. Like he's had this. That's oil true. For a I think that just time. kicked it into high gear. Yeah. But okay. uh, yeah, but no. And for as much of a know-it-all as he was, and his ability to predict things, apparently posthumously, but probably not based on how he exits the show. Um, Norman. Uh, Norman isn't. He doesn't feel like Narciss. It doesn't always feel like everything's just falling into place because he is learning as the rest of the kids are, like everyone's sort of gathering information. It's only once all of the pieces are put together and he has crafted this incredible master plan that, you know, Emma and unknowingly or unwittingly Ray and then a bunch of the other kids who we only find out were looped into it after the fact, uh are able to follow, again, based on a note that's about the size of half a sheet of paper, that uh, they can, you know, (laughs) make this grand escape, and it was the whole, I knew how this was going to turn out all along thing. That was the part that bugged me, but his 
his reactions to setbacks and learning new information as they went through and, you know, the way... The... Oh, yeah, like, day-to-day -day during the show, yeah, sure, he was he was really good and, like, his characterization made sense. It was really that, like, surprise, I'm actually <laughs> Harry Seldon and, like, I've, I've been predicting <laughs> our future for... Yeah, for and even, the, like, the one uh, really good moment of that is uh, when they have a sit-down with uh, Krona and she sort of says, you know, ask me anything you want. I will tell you, you know, anything that I can about this place, you know, that I want you to trust me because I'm in this for myself. You're in this for yourselves. Let's let's make some kind of arrangement so that we can all screw over Isabella together because that's her overriding goal. And when she basically explains, it's like, you kids are, you're absolutely clever. Like, you're sharp. You know what you're doing but you have no idea how much information you're betraying just based on how you talk and your body language and all of that other stuff. Showing that, again, it's like your kids playing a game against adults who were specifically trained to spot this kind of thing. And it really doubles down on the stakes of all of this. And I really thought that that was a good moment between Krona, the kids, and just sort of encapsulated where they stood at that moment where it wasn't exactly the lowest point of the series, but it was definitely like, we are in for some rough times before this gets better. Yeah, really. Uh, I think I'll touch on the art quick. This is where all the facial expressions really came into play. I think you could always tell what a character was thinking or feeling just by that uh, zoomed shot of their eyes alone. I think my last episode, episode nine, really encapsulates this 100%. There's like a silent sequence, basically, where Norman like walks down a oh, hall yeah. to get water for Emma, and he basically goes through fear, grief, determination all at once. And like the look on his face when he discovers that there's a cliff on the other side of the wall is such intense defeat. Like, it felt like being hit in the gut. You know, you were like, oh my gosh, Norman. So I think that was that was fantastic. Like, I always felt like I understood where people were going. And, you know, when you see Isabella in the beginning in episode one, she's got like the soft expression that all the other characters have. And then when she's talking to the demons, like the camera freezes on her face. And it's like everything on her face just got heightened. They were like, quick, use the like hardcore line art, go. And her face is just in this like, frozen position that's horrifying and you're like oh my gosh so really <laughs> impressive use of of art um camera oh, yeah. sound wow um i was i was in awe you know this show really tried hard i think to bring a lot of the elements that make animation special um into focus oh yeah that's yeah. a good way of putting it Agreed. Okay. And, uh, you know, along with just excellent facial expressions, uh, really good character designs overall, because all of the kids are wearing the same white uniform, and it would be very easy for them to be virtually indistinguishable. But they're drawn much more stylistically than the adults are. Well, with the exception, well, with the exception of Krone, and she's one of the few adults we see. So I guess uh, rather than the one adult we're seeing almost constantly, which is Isabella, um, they're drawn in a again in a much more stylized way, so that especially the secondary kids all have extremely distinct uh, faces, extremely distinct like you know. I named a bunch of kids by their hairstyles. That was a fairly easy way to remember because the <laughs> names don't come up as often as you'd like, but you immediately remember, oh, that's that kid, that's their personality. I can I, I can at least point out that much, and that was very useful. Um, 
but uh, yeah, really good, really good character designs. I thought uh, they stood out nicely. And uh, Sue, I know you mentioned that the camera work, uh, especially in episode one, did some really good stuff. I really liked how throughout the show, I think I mentioned this in one of my reviews, uh, throughout the show, especially in the early to mid part, there's a lot of times where the camera is either like looking between some bookshelves or like through a bush or through a window or otherwise looks like they're it's spying on the kids like this isn't like this isn't something you're supposed to be hearing and it constantly puts you in this paranoid mindset of it's like are we seeing things from the perspective of Isabella are we seeing this from the perspective of the kid that they suspect is the traitor uh who who is this because they're that's right. Or like, and then like, or that, or then the time Crone is like, surprise! I was behind the building and I saw you, like Donnie Gilda. I know you're in on it. And you're like, <laughs> ah, it was real. Exactly, because it it give, that is an, that is a situation where they give you enough information, you know, at least visually, that when the shock happens, it's like, oh, oh crap, that does make sense. Oh, geez. Yeah, totally agree. Um... I guess my last one for me was just the thrill of the chase. I wanted these kids to succeed and Isabella was just such an amazing villain that you're like, oh man, oh man, oh man, what does she know? And, you know, the kids would fail or they'd mildly succeed and it was it was gaining by inches, losing by miles. So when they failed you, you felt like it really hurt, like the whole episode 10 where Norman is being taken and you're like, ah, oh. like that just that hurt really bad. And you wanted desperately for things to work out for them. And I think it was just exciting. Every episode leaves you on a cliffhanger. You were, you were excited to see what was happening next. You wanted good things to happen. Uh, when they won, you were excited for them. And, you know, it's a thrilling mm-hmm. ride. Yeah. Unlike many shows, yeah, their success definitely. was never a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I, I was definitely predicting Norman was going to go pretty early um not sure if he's actually gone but i was like oh you're too nice of a guy you're gonna get eaten (laughs) it's undeniable anime rules dictate you have a death flag but he's got to be served at the tifari yes that's right the tiny glimpses we see into demon society which again seem like like now having seen the show was there more than one uh we saw one when they were talking about the tifari one where she was talking back and forth with him on the phone. And then right at the end there, we saw like the headquarters for a, like a brief second. Yeah. That was so about it's all, it. It's mostly, mostly set up for the second season, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So if no one's got anything else, let's, let's end. Um, hundred percent recommended. Watch this show. I would recommend it also. Same with, same with me. Know what you're getting into. <laughs> That's fair. It's definitely it's definitely a hard show to watch at times. So you know if like that, if that setup of that like deep sense of paranoia and betrayal is not something that you're willing to sit through for uh, for oh, a full and season, and also just dread, yeah, constant oppressive dread. <laughs> so if those aren't things that you were willing to put up with or can't space out properly, I would definitely recommend having a more lighthearted show on hand to be your pick me up after the fact. That's one of the reasons I kept following my neighbor or my uh, roommate as a cat this season. It was definitely a <laughs> Andro to... helped me out. Andro. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Alrighty, guys. Well, hopefully we pick something awesome for next season. And thanks for listening. Fingers crossed. Have a good one.